More dark and Teletubbies. Tinky Winky, Dipsy. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Mango's Void. I am your host, Bobo, and I'm with the beautiful Donovan, and we have Mango here too. Yeah. We have Mango here, because she's got some things to say, because <laughs> today we're talking about trauma. Mm. Uh, we mentioned in the last episode that trauma is the elephant in the room yeah when it comes to pretty much all discussions about politics the human condition economics childhood development trauma is the elephant in the room mm. and i want to talk today about how trauma shows up in our relationships i want to talk about trauma bonds mm. this is a new phenomena that i've learned about i heard people talk about trauma bonds and talk about oh i'm enmeshed mm. and i'm in a trauma bond um but i never knew what people meant so i always just assumed that it meant bonding over a shared trauma same yeah and now i've learned through my studies mm. okay mm. I've learned that trauma bonds are actually not that. Mm. So let's dive into our definitions. Mm. Dr. Patrick Carnes, he is the guy who coined the term trauma bonding. Mm. A trauma bond is essentially a problematic bond that is reinforced by neurochemical expressions of love mm. and removal of love. Right. So that's a lot of words. So basically what that means is a trauma bond is when you are emotionally addicted mm. to the push and pull of receiving love and then having that love be removed. Mm -hmm. So trauma bonds... We basically know, you know you're in a trauma bond when you're seeking safety and comfort from your own abuser right. or from the person who is traumatizing you, yeah. from the person who is harming you. Mm. And Dr. Patrick Carnes, his work mostly dealt with like very extreme cases of trauma bonding, like physical violence, incest, kidnapping, cults, mm. even though cults can be good, <laughs> cults can be very good. Cults can be very good, okay? Um, but I want to sort of talk about the more insidious forms of trauma bonding that are not really spoken about often when we talk about the way trauma shows up in relationship because I think the conversation around trauma and how it shows up around relationships is pretty extreme. And that's not to say that those extreme cases don't exist, mm. but it does overlook a huge portion of relationships mm. where trauma and toxicity are present. Mm -hmm. Okay. But it's not abuse. Mm. Um, and uh, we'll talk about some of the examples of that. So where do trauma bonds come from? Like everything else, childhood. Right. Okay. Trauma bonds are learned and conditioned from your childhood bonds and then repeated in your adult relationships. Mm. So they are relationship patterns that are based on your earliest and often unmet needs. Mm. Okay. So almost everyone will or is actively participating in a trauma bond. Um, they're essentially inescapable. Okay. <laughs> it's like microplastics. It's, yeah, it's like micro. At this point, um, if you're going to love someone, it will probably end up being a trauma bond. Yeah. Sorry to break it to you. That's what it is. Yeah. 
here are some common signs that will let you know that you are in a trauma bond. <laughs> Number one, you have an obsessive and compulsive pull towards particular relationships that you know will cause you harm in the long term. Mm. Um, so often, okay, we see in our media, and I want to talk about how the media perpetuates trauma bonds mm. because as much as it's childhood, it's also Disney. Okay. <laughs> Walt Disney is yes. responsible for 90% of trauma bonds. Yeah, Walt, well, come to the front of the class. Week. Come to the front of the class. Walt Disney, let's yeah. talk. Um, so oftentimes when we watch Disney movies as kids, we grow to associate love with extreme highs and extreme lows. Yes. We grow to associate love with butterflies in your stomach and people now go on dates looking for chemistry, for a spark. Right. But often what you're looking for that you call chemistry is mm. actually just trauma. Mm. And often what people deem as passion is actually also just trauma. Right. So this pull and obsession towards passion, um, chemistry, sparks, mm. is actually often a sign that you are in a trauma bond or you tend towards trauma bonds. Um, because with the highs and lows is that push and pull dynamic we talk about uh, of receiving love and then removing love, receiving yeah. love, removing love. And that is addictive. Mm -hmm. And we also see that with Instagram, you receive likes on one post mm -hmm. and then on the next post you don't. And then you strive to get likes again. Right. And then you get them finally. And that gives you that dopamine hit. And then you post again and you don't get the likes. And now you're in an addictive cycle. Mm -hmm. And that's how you know you're in a trauma bond. Number two, your needs are rarely met in any relationship or you're just unaware of what your needs are. Mm. So um, in our childhoods, oftentimes some of our developmental needs aren't met, like our need for attention, for affection, for love, for intimacy, for safety. Um, and when those needs aren't met in your childhood, you will find yourself in relationships where those needs are again not met. Right. And you reinforce this idea that I am not loved or I am not safe mm. or I am not worthy. Whatever need was not met in your childhood, it will also not be met in your relationship. Number three you often betray yourself in mm. relation. You find yourself betraying yourself to get your needs met. Mm. So rather than making decisions based on your own inner knowing, you mm. will make decisions based on what you think will get you the most love. Right. And in doing that, you continue to betray yourself and then you resent that other person for making you, although they didn't make you do anything, for making you betray yourself. And then you project your self-betrayal onto the other person, feeling like they're betraying you, when in reality you're betraying yourself for them. Yeah. So those are some of the three... There's more. That yeah. There's so many. What Are there any others that you can think of? Um, no, but I think the, the process that you're describing is intermittent reinforcement, which mm, is basically... It is alternating between kindness and abuse. It, it is the same yeah. system that slot machines use in Vegas mm. or social media companies like you described mm -hmm. used to keep you addictive. If I were to just give you affection all the time, 
there's this idea that that slaps less than alternating between yes. abuse and kindness. Mm. And I want to let you finish first before we get into this. Yeah, I think what you're saying is completely true because however you were loved in childhood literally changes the structure of your brain. Mm. And you can only experience love in that specific way yeah. once you're an adult. So, this, no, absolutely. This process of intermittent reinforcement crates is what people call the cycle of abuse, mm. which is what most people's relationship are. It is yeah. just an endless cycle of someone inflicting pain and then healing that pain. Yeah. And, then you, and when someone has inflicted so much pain, and then been the person there to heal you from that pain, mm. our brain actually just associates them with the deepest kind of safety possible. Yes. Because although they are the person who destroyed you, mm. they're also the person who built you back up every time. Yes. So yeah. that is how you make these associations with people. And it's, it's always fascinating to me talking to people who've been in abusive relationships, mm. how they will just swear to God that this person deep down not only is good, but yeah. like necessary. Like they would yeah. die without them. Yeah. They truly yeah. could not survive without them because mm. that is the core kind of glue of Stockholm Syndrome. Yeah. You know, yeah. just that you associate them as being your savior, even yes. though they're the reason why you need to be saved. Yes. Yeah. All these times. Yeah. It's, it's very similar actually to the relationship we're all in with capitalism. Yes. It wounds us. It renders us penniless. It yeah. traumatizes us. And yet we seek our safety and comfort from the same system mm -hmm. that has abused and wounded us over and over and over again. Yeah. And I think that we live in a society that actually reinforces trauma bonding. Yeah. Because um, you learn it maybe in your childhood. Mm. Maybe you had an abusive childhood or a toxic childhood or just inconsistent parents. Mm. And then you learn it from the school system. Yeah. The people at the top of the capitalist hierarchy are often psychopaths. Mm. And they use these same addiction cycles yeah. to keep you as an employee. They abuse you. They pay you non-livable. They pay you just enough to not kill yourself. Yeah. Just enough. Yeah. And then at the end of the year on Christmas, they'll give you a little bonus. Yeah. Just to keep you coming back. Mm. Okay. And then we see this on social media. We also see this with advertising the goal of advertising is to make you feel so small yeah and so inadequate and so incomplete mm. so that they can sell you a product right. that will save you from your inadequacy yeah. the goal of instagram and tiktok is to make you feel so small mm -hmm. So inadequate, so unloved, so ugly, so mm. that they can sell you back the means to your self-fulfillment. Yeah. The goal of religion. Yes. Hey, let's let's drag Christianity in here. The goal of Christianity mm -hmm. is to convince you that you are born a sin mm. so that they can save you from the sin you were born into. Right, right. You know, the sin they told you yeah. you had, the sin they imbued into you, the shame yeah. they imbued into you, they are the only people who can save you from that. There are so many institutions mm. in our lives every day that reinforce trauma bonding. Yes. And so we are all so neurochemically mm -hmm. addicted to cycles of trauma bonding. Yeah. And 
I want to maybe give an example of how trauma bonding could show up in a relationship that's not necessarily abusive, mm. just to show like how insidious it really is. Mm. There is an example here um, that I want to share, which I feel like is really typical of like the push and pull dynamic of a trauma bond and mm. is like very day to day. So let's say there's a couple, John and Jane, mm. right? So John and Jane are both Orthodox Jews. Mm-hmm. We're so back to the Jews again. We're, we're back <laughs> to the Jews. We're back to the Jews. Yeah. We got to bring it back. John and Jane are both Orthodox Jews. Yeah. And that's how they met. That's the thing that brought them together. Yeah. Okay. They believed in this thing, mm. you know, and, but that's pretty much all they had in common. Mm. Okay. So Jane had parents who had special needs. So Mm. Jane's parents weren't really able to take care of her or to Mm. be there for her. So that meant her needs were outsourced to her grandparents, to her aunts and uncles, which left Jane feeling abandoned Mm. because she wanted her parents to be the ones to take care, but they couldn't. Yeah. Um, And so now Jane has this abandonment wound inherently. And in order to cope with this abandonment wound, she becomes a people pleaser. Right. Because that's how she learns that she'll feel loved. Mm. If she pleases everyone around her, Mm -hmm. then maybe then she can get love. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now John, right? John had a different childhood. John grew up with maybe eight brothers, five sisters. Mm -hmm. And John's mom was really emotionally reactive. She was really dramatic. She took up a lot of space in the house. She maybe had a mental illness, Mm. you know? And so John felt like it was his job to keep the peace Mm. in the household by Mm. making sure that he's never too reactive himself, Mm. by making sure that he makes himself smaller he doesn't take up too much space Mm. he just decided you know what in order to cope in this environment Mm -hmm. where my mom is overbearing and overwhelming Mm. i have to be as small as possible and that conditioning together with the conditioning of the patriarchy which is that men are not to have emotions Mm. means that he ended up just becoming someone who is very withdrawn And who would dissociate, Mm. like, often. Mm -hmm. So now John and Jane are in a relationship together. And Jane feels abandoned, just fundamentally. And John is dissociating. (laughs) So this is now the premise of the relationship. By the way, this is like every other relationship. This is every other relationship. That anxious and avoidant combat. Listen. Yeah, yeah. But this is how it happened. Yeah. And so... Every time maybe John has a bad day at work, he comes home, he withdraws, he keeps to himself, he Mm. makes himself feel small. Because this is how he learned to cope as a child Mm. with big emotions. Mm. So now Jane feels that she's being abandoned again. Now her abandonment mood is being triggered. So now Jane is like, do you not like me? What's going on? Are you mad at me? Mm -hmm. And the more that she tries to pull him in, the more avoidant he becomes. And this push... It's a story as old as time. It's a story of old as time. And that is a classic example of that push and pull, withdrawing, abandonment... Mm -hmm pattern where as john withholds his love the worse he feels jane just feels more and more abandoned Mm -hmm. and it's just a pattern where 
the more he pulls back, the more anxious she becomes. The mm-hmm. more anxious she becomes, the more he pulls back. Mm-hmm. The more he pulls back, the more anxious she becomes. And so they both of their needs are not being met. Mm-hmm. She needs to feel loved instead of feeling abandoned. He needs to feel loved mm-hmm. instead of feeling smothered. Mm-hmm. And now here we are. Yeah. And now the resentment grows. Both of their needs aren't being met. Mm-hmm. And what most people do at this stage, mm. this is usually in the five year, mm-hmm. five years into the relationship. This is where most people break up mm-hmm. um, instead of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And this, I bring this example up because I sort of want to pose a kind of spicy question. Mm-hmm. Which is that, is love inherently toxic? Mm-hmm. Can love ever not be toxic? Yeah. And, and is that toxicity inherently bad? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm John or I'm Jane and mm-hmm. I find myself in this relationship dynamic where I'm anxious and he's avoidant and mm-hmm. we're in this push and pull cycle of emotional addiction, mm-hmm. isn't that sort of just an opportunity for me to like heal that wound how would i know that wound existed if it hadn't been brought up in a relationship right Uh, isn't the purpose of toxicity Mm -hmm. or maybe trauma Mm -hmm. to like bring you back to yourself Thank you for listening to the first half of this conversation. If you're interested in listening to the rest of this conversation, you will find it on Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Bobo's Void, or you can just click on the link in the description box below. So patreon.com slash Bobo's Void, or just click on the description box below. Thank you.